Morning, everybody. Anybody Star Wars fans? Okay, I know almost nothing. Like, first service, the, the whole place was Star Wars fans. I don't know. I guess they saw the title and thought, whoa, let's go for it. This is a serious instrument right here. Like, this is no toy. This cost a couple hundred bucks, and it's not mine. Uh, I almost, when we do this thing on walkthrough on Thursdays, I almost grab the blade and people, ah, you know, don't do it. Okay, so I was going to do a lot more about uh, Star Wars, but um, I went over in the first service. So uh, <laughs> let me tell you what I was going to say real quick, okay? Jedi. Who are the Jedi? They're like selfless service. They live by a moral code. Who's the iconic Jedi? That's right. You don't have to be good looking to be a Jedi. Isn't that nice? What's the most popular line from Star Wars? May the force be with you. Now, there's a light side to the force and a dark side to the force. You turn to the dark side. Who do you iconically look like? There he is right there, right there. Darth Vader. Okay. Well, that's it for Star Wars. Uh... Oh, I had time for it, man. I went over. I had to figure out stuff I've, uh, that I've got to cut. All right. Um, here, 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 I want to I wanna, I wanna sum all of this up because it actually has a lot to do. If you read, I read on Star Wars this past week a little bit. Uh, there are a lot of biblical themes here. Oh, my gosh. Like messianic births and all kinds of stuff going on there. Here's the bottom line. Okay. Don't get mad at me, Star Wars fans, because I know you guys, I don't want to say temperamental, but you're really into this thing. Okay, but just from a super high level, the, the light side, right? the people following the light side of the force, they create healthy, strong communities, galaxies, relationships. People on the dark side, they kind of crumble relationships. Things fall apart. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, these principles that I'm going to go through that we call the Beatitudes, which we will keep referring back to. So don't think just because I buzz through them real quick that we're not dealing with them. No, no, they're very deep. They're very important. They're like the table of contents. They're very similar to the Ten Commandments. And as the Ten Commandments are the table of contents for the entire law, the first five books of Moses, so these are the table of contents for all of Jesus' teachings, which are summed up in the first five books of the Bible. Okay, there you go. What are they about? Creating healthy relationships with God and other people, period. And they will never die. They might have setbacks, but these values will always rise again. It's like the resurrection. Okay? People say, you believe in the resurrection? (laughs) If you read history, uh, you understand that these values, if you read leadership books about what, what is a real leader, what is a good leader, a servant leader is the best kind of leader. I'm, I'm rereading Simon Sinek's book right now. Anybody's ever read Leaders uh, Eat Last, okay? These values, he starts with the uh, military Marine Corps, matter of fact, and how the highest officers are the last ones to eat, servant leadership. He talks about a guy named Johnny Bravo who's this phenomenal, courageous pilot. He's like, why are you such a great pilot? Empathy. Taking it right out of Jesus' playbook. Okay, we want to focus on the primary things about Jesus. We want to focus on a bit. There's a lot of stuff we talk about in church, okay? But here's what Jesus says that you really need to be concerned with. So this is what we're going to do today. Let's just, let, let's, let's jump into this here. Matthew uh, chapter five, verse number one. This is what it says. Jesus saw his ministry, uh, when Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, all right? He climbs the hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, in other words, those who wanted to be his followers, his disciples, um, the, the, the committed, they climbed with him. And then arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and he taught his climbing 
companions. Let me just want to put this into perspective. Matthew is working really hard so that all of us understand that Moses, when he says way back in the final book of the first five books of the Bible, Deuteronomy, he says, there's another one coming, even greater than me, another prophet coming. And so they're all expecting. So Derek talked about this a few weeks ago. John the Baptist is like, are you the one? Should we expect another? Why in the world would John the Baptist say that? Because everybody is expecting another prophet like Moses, but greater than Moses. And Matthew's like, Jesus is it. So Moses is famous for being on Mount Sinai. Jesus is famous for the Sermon on the Mount. The values that he talks about were introduced to us in the pages of the Bible, and Jesus makes them famous. And the things I'm going to talk about today, here's where you hang your hat. So they're climbing a mountain. There's an old saying, you got you to choose your battles. You got to pick your battles. Anybody ever heard that before? Okay, right. Okay. Uh, you got to pick or choose what hill you're going to die on. Okay. This is it. You got, we're all struggling for something. We're all spun up or stirred up or passionate, excited about something. If this will just happen, if this will just happen, it's this or those, you know, all kinds of stuff. Jesus is saying, this is it. You want to run at, so I said last week, the Hebrew word, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, share, blessed, divine direction. Here's the direction that you run in. So Jesus is going to make it really clear, run in this direction because what he's getting ready to talk about are the values and the principles of his kingdom that will not ever, 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 ever die. They'll never die. They'll never die. You can only win with his principles, okay? So this is, this is what he's saying. Now, it's a lot of stuff that I'm, you know, not, like I said, I had to cut out the whole beginning because I went over in the first service. So we're going to do a Q&A, and here, here it is. It's tonight. There's nothing going on tonight. It's a bye week. Super Bowl's next week. So tonight on our YouTube channel, we're going to do this. The reality is, everybody, is that when you know, I do a message, like 95% gets edited and is left on the editing room floor, and we're only 5%, right? So you know, some people's like, would you consider doing 97% edit, okay? <laughs> Derek said to me, Derek said to me, uh, how about 99%, John? <laughs> what is wrong with that guy? Okay, so uh, Krista told me this past couple weeks ago. She said, oh, not that yet. Um, I'm going to show you that in a second. You go back to the YouTube channel. Uh, Krista said to me, you got to stop teasing Derek. I'm like, oh, shoot. You know, I'm not sure I want to go to church. If I Anybody see Derek today? Say, why are you so thin-skinned? Okay, all right, so Q&A tonight, please, okay? Because a lot gets left. Okay. And then, um, a lot, like 200 more people signed up for this. So I, during this, I send a text out once or twice a week. Okay. Twice max. It's going to be about the sermon on the Mount. Okay. I'm going to text something probably Wednesday about what I'm going to talk about this morning. Just as a reminder, this is just QR code. You hit that and that's how you sign up for it. Okay. All the logistics are out of the way. Um, here, here, here's where I want to go. Jesus is saying, climb this mountain. If you want to struggle for something, you want to be like, I want to be fired up. Jesus follower, man. I want to. So if you're here and you've been in church all your life, like, ah, yes, that's what I want. Or you don't know anything about church. You don't know anything about Jesus. You just know what you've heard other people say about it or whatever. Like, what is this really about? Jesus is going to tell you what it's really about. This is it. This is the famous Sermon on the Mount. And here is his principles that drive his kingdom or his covenant, his covenant. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. This book here is called a covenant. A covenant is an agreement, a partnership with God and with each other, okay? We talk about the Old Testament, New Testament. The word testament means covenant. We're driving to a covenant, this sacred agreement that we have with God, and there's principles 
of the covenant. There's values of the covenant. And Jesus is going to tell us right at the beginning of the most famous sermon ever preached in the history of the world, what he made famous. What are his values? What does he stand by? And you have to struggle for them. It is Black History Month. Uh, Joe said that just a few minutes ago. I want to introduce you to one of my favorite American heroes. I told the uh, staff recently, if you don't read David Blight's book about Frederick Douglass, it might be a sin. It might be a sin. It is a thousand pages. Frederick Douglass died here. Last 17 years of his life was right here in Anacostia at Cedar Hill. I would like to take a group, if anybody's interested, to visit Cedar Hill and talk more about Frederick Douglass. But here's what he says. If there is no struggle, there is no progress. He is saying the exact same thing that Jesus is saying at the beginning of the sermon. It's really important to struggle. If you have pleasure without pursuit, here's what science tells us. Here's what scientists will tell us. If you have pleasure without pursuit, and our brains are wired, like make things really easy for me. If you have pleasure without pursuit, your brain does not like it. Your brain does not like it. This is why quick dopamine hits through drugs or alcohol or easy sex or porn right? Or even dopamine hits off of social media that you don't struggle for. That's why scientists are now telling us that it is very dangerous for you. It's dangerous. Be careful. Don't look for a quick fix. Your brain looks for a quick fix. Don't look for the quick fix. Jesus saying in the beginning, struggle with me for this. And it's going to be a struggle. The things he's talking about here, it will be a struggle. We want to turn. Jesus is teaching oftentimes throughout history. I do. People do. Right? We want to turn to something else. Jesus says, no, this is what you struggle for. Here is what you struggle for. This is the most important. Here's the hill that you die on. There are very few mountaintop experiences in the Bible. Moses had one Mount Sinai. We got the Ten Commandments out of it. And here Jesus is up on a mountain again. Just like Matthew saying, just like Moses, it's a mountaintop. This is a mountaintop. There's very few mountaintops. This is it. Here's the values. Here they come. Let's start the journey. Where does the journey begin? Beatitude number one. This is where it starts. It starts with a humble heart. The journey to go in the divine esher, right? We talk about the, the divine direction to walk in the way of God, to walk the path of God. It, the journey starts with a humble heart. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, everybody, porn spirit, porn spirit in this context. And again, show up at the Q&A tonight, we'll unpack it more. But basically, it means to have a humble heart. I know I'm not God, but boy, I sure do know I need God. That's what it means to be porn spirit. It means to have a humble heart. Everything went off the rails with pride in the Bible, and it comes back on. Jesus' brother James says, God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble, okay? I heard somebody say one time, a truly humble person can't be offended. Oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. I thought it was humble. I was very proud of the fact that I'm humble, okay? But when I hear that, I know we have a problem. I know. Maybe you have the same problem. Like, I'm getting offended multiple times a day, okay? I'm getting offended all the time. I guess I'm not humble. Do you want to know what a real on fire? Let's just pull out some real religious terms on us today, okay? You want to be an on fire Jesus follower, okay? Then, like, if somebody comes to you and says, how do you do it? Right here. We're going to work on our humility. We're going to work on it today. We're going to work on it tomorrow. We're going to work on it next week. This is what we're going to do. Here's how you're going to become a true disciple, not a watered-down follower of Jesus Christ, a true disciple of Jesus Christ. You and I are going to help each other attack our pride because the Bible says it's not going away and it has to be dealt with every day. You want to climb the mountain? This is the mountain you climb. You deal with humility. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It doesn't start with some other issue. Oh, the true Christians, the true followers of Jesus Christ, they look like this, they do this, do that, blah, blah, blah. Okay, whatever. Jesus says, nope, nope, nope. It's humility. It's humility. And that right there is like a smack in the face, isn't it? Like, can we talk about something else? Do we have to talk about humility? Let's get into some other issue. 
than that. So this is where, this is where he begins. He says, this is what the covenant's all about. This is what being my follower is all about. Okay, number two, walk towards empathy and away from apathy. He says, Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted. What does that mean? Does that mean I should start crying and whining all the time? And God says, oh, I love you so much. It's awesome. That's not what it means. It means that you notice the people that are hurting. You don't apathetically just walk by other people. You deal with the people who are hurting. It is so often, I've mentioned this book, and I, again, I want to encourage everybody to read this book, Dr. Bruce Perry's book with Oprah called What Happened to You? How many times do we look at people in our lives or at our place of work or in our neighborhood or whatever, and they're like, we can't, they're doing stuff. They're like, what is, what is wrong with you? We either say that on the inside or say it on the outside, or we definitely say it on social media. What is wrong with you? The empathetic way of the Sermon on the Mount is to say, I wonder what happened to you. We got a lot of what's wrong with you. Jesus says, we need a little more of the empathy. I wonder what happened to you. You know, not in a condescending way, but how can I listen? How can I understand? That's the second thing. Third thing, we don't care who you are or what you are. We welcome you. Jesus says, blessed are the meek, they are inherit the earth. You know who the meek are? The meek, I've ever said, well, the meek aren't the weak and blah, blah, blah. Meek in a Hebrew context means the people who are unimportant, the people who are outsiders, the people who we ostracize or the people we leave out or the people we just don't notice, the people who don't benefit us somehow, whatever it might be. It's somebody that's separated in some way, shape or fashion. We are told repeatedly, Matthew says, I got to tell you this. Mark says, I got to tell you this. All these biographies of Jesus, I got to tell you this. Jesus eats with sinners. We will celebrate communion at the end of the service, okay? A meal in biblical times meant you're entering into an agreement. And Jesus just like opened his arms wide. That's a really crazy statement. I mean, it makes me nervous. We don't care who you are or what you are. We welcome you. That's a very Jesus statement but it makes me scared to death. You know why? Because if you just welcome everybody, you accept everybody. Christianity is kind of defined in the wrong way. That's not the way it's supposed to be. It's defined by who you reject. That's how we build our identity. Oh yeah, those people don't, and that church doesn't, okay? Jesus says Christianity should be identified by who you accept, not who you reject. He welcomed sinners. He ate with sinners. To eat with somebody is a communion. It's a meal. You are saying, come on, let's, let's, let's be partners. Let's be partners. Let's work together. Let's be in a relationship with each other. Number four, get thirsty for the perfect blend of, uh, of per- perfect divine blend of compassionate justice. So Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they are going to be, they're going to be filled. Now, I talked a lot about righteousness. Righteousness here in this context means justice, got to have justice, but it's tempered by compassion. Some of us are really into justice over certain things. Some of us are really into compassion over things, but you got to have both. You got to have both. I talked about this on January the 14th, did a whole message about this one thing, because it is the driving point of the Sermon on the Mount. It is what will revolutionize your world and my world if we are people justice tempered by compassion. I'm not going to say any more about it now. Number five, where mercy flows, humanity grows. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. What is mercy? It means to give forgiveness with compassion. It means to understand, right? Or am I truly a forgiving person or do I hold a grudge? Do I hold vengeance? This is what the kingdom needs. This is what the covenant needs. Forgiveness is not an easy thing. Most of us have a very difficult time with forgiveness, but we have to keep working on forgiveness. That doesn't mean like, presto, bang, you've just forgiven. There's some nasty stuff that's been done to us. 
but it's a value that we are working towards. You don't, if it's a real mountain, you don't like climb it in two seconds, okay? It might take you a lifetime to climb this mountain, okay? So where mercy flows, humanity grows. Number six, keep God's primary focus, your primary focus. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. They're gonna see God. What does it mean to be pure in heart? It means to be undivided. Again, I said it a minute ago. I don't wanna be a watered down Christian. I mean, that's a, that's a big slight against somebody if you say, oh, you're one of those watered down Christians, right? That's what we say, okay? Well, what this is saying here is, is you've got to have the primary focus, the single focus, the laser focus on the same thing that God is focused on. What Jesus is focused on here, we are going to be tempted to pull away from these values. I'm going to make that clear in just a second because all of us do it. All of humanity does it. The church does it over and over again, and it's always a losing situation. Jesus is telling us how to stick with the winner and the winner is the covenant and you've got to stay focused and it's going to be very difficult to do so. Number seven, unite, don't divide. Bring people together, not apart. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. We are told, Paul says this in the Bible, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We have not been given the ministry of separation. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. So we need to be people who build bridges. So we, we, we've got to, like when people were divided, separate, we've got to be the kind of person who wants to reconcile people, not destroy people, not keep people separate. So this is what we need, this is what we need to be after, okay? Number eight, where opposition, opposition looms, let your resilience uh, bloom, okay? These last two are a little bit similar, okay? But if I could had more time, I would unpack them. I'll talk about them tonight if we want to, if the questions come up. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you stand there and you in love bring polarized groups together, there's a good chance we are going to crucify you. We might not celebrate you. Jesus Christ stood between two polarized groups. Billy Graham's famous for saying this. And he's bringing... The two groups together, he is, he is building that bridge. He is loving two desperate groups and he's, and he's bringing them together. And what did we do to him? It's the same thing we did to Dr. King, what we tried to do to Frederick Douglass multiple times. And it's something that we do to somebody else. I'm gonna bring it up in just a moment. Be realistic is the last one. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and say all kinds of false and evil things against you because of me. Uh, rejoice, be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You've got to be realistic. If you follow these ways that we just mentioned, what are the ways? All right, it starts with a humble heart. A truly humble person can't be offended. Okay, I got, I got, I got to work on that. I got to work on that. I got to work on my empathy. I got to work on my compassion. I got to work on my peacemaking. I got to work on, like, who am I accepting and, and noticing people who are on the outsides and, and bringing them in, not celebrating. Oh, look, I don't accept them. I don't accept them. Look how Christ-like I am because I don't accept them. No, no, Jesus says the opposite. Your identity should be based on who you're accepting, not who you're rejecting. Jesus says, when you build your life around those values, you cannot lose. You cannot lose. Now, let me show you why he says that because the very end of it is a famous verse about salt and light. I'm just gonna deal with the salt for just a second. It's Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, um, I've been in church all my life and these are good interpretations. I'm not saying there's not one thing wrong with them, all right? So Christians who are following Christ need to be like salt. 
What does salt do? Salt makes you thirsty. I should live my life in such a way that people are more thirsty for Jesus. That is fantastic, and it is true, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? What else does salt do? Famously, I've been told it preserves. It preserves things. So Christians with their lifestyle should preserve the world because of the way they live. And it is also true. But specifically in this context, since Jesus is standing on top of a mountain and he looks a whole lot like Moses, according to Matthew here, he's talking about salt in a very specific way. Salt is the covenant. Salt is the covenant. We're told in Leviticus 2.13, you shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing. Always add salt, it goes on to say. Oh, why? Why? Why always add salt? Because Jesus says, if salt loses its saltiness, salt can't lose its saltiness. If it does, it's no longer salt. That's like water losing its wetness or dirt losing its dirtness. If water loses wetness, it's not water. If dirt loses its dirtiness, it's not dirt anymore. See, everybody, it is impossible for salt to lose its saltiness. It's always going to be salty. So what is Jesus really drawing our attention to? He's drawing our attention to this. Christ's covenant that he presents to us at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, his covenant cannot lose. It will not lose. It will never, ever, ever lose its power. We all want to be winners. This is it. This is how you win. The principles that the Bible introduces to us and and that Jesus makes radically famous, it is impossible for them to lose. They might have setbacks. They might have setbacks, but they will never lose. They will absolutely never, never lose. This is what Jesus says about them in Matthew 5, 18. Later in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, the law will never lose. It's just never going to lose. It's like Dr. King says, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. These values of humility and honor and acceptance right, and forgiveness, these things will all, they might, they may look like they're dead, but they will always be resurrected. They will always rise again. They will always, we can hang our hat and we can struggle and we can try to run up certain type of mountains and they will always lose. They'll be here one day and they'll be gone tomorrow. These values are the only values. You read any great leadership book, the best of the book, Simon Sinek's books, it's like he's reading from Jesus's playbook. Here's how you build a great company. Here's how you grow a great uh, uh, relationship a friendship, a marriage. Read the best scientific books on marriages or friendships or business or whatever. You will find that these values that Jesus presents to us are the ones that can't lose. So you want to be a winner. You want to hang your hat on something that cannot lose. Here's what you hang your hat on. And this is what it's all about. And here's where you start. It's not where you end. It's where you start. Look, we face all kinds of issues all the time. There's issues constantly. First church I served, before I got there, the pastor, the pastor, there was a, a, a woman that visited the church. She came in. She was wearing pants. She was wearing pants. And the pastor said, I'm sorry, ma'am, visitor, guest, you have to leave. Women don't wear pants. And we say, excuse me? And we shake our head. We're like, oh, my gosh, that's so embarrassing. That's so stupid. The Sermon on the Mount says, whatever is going on back then is going on right now. You see, we are so cool and we are so hip, Washingtonians. We just got it all figured out. Here's the reality. Three or four generations from now, your great-grandkids or your great-great-grandkids are going to shake their heads in shame and say, oh my gosh, why in the world? They were so foolish. Why did they do that? You think you're hip, but you're not. Because every generation does this. We're like, this is the hill I'm going to die on. Pants. (laughs) Die on Pants Hill. This is where, and we're like, oh man, that's so goofy. Oh no, what's the hill we're dying on now? 
I mean, it was a time, like in church going up, you couldn't have electric guitars. You weren't supposed to clap in church or you weren't supposed to have instruments. There was a time in church we, we were transitioning from hymnals to overhead projectors. Is anybody old enough to remember overhead projectors? Or I heard somebody say, been in church all his life. Actually, he's a preacher. He said, if I walk into a church and I see an overhead projector, I'm walking out. Now you're like, that's crazy. It wasn't to them. And there are some things that aren't to you either. And what we do is we get all this mixed up. We get all these issues that are here today and gone tomorrow. And we think that somehow that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Let's just make it really clear. Jesus, if there were other things outside of these values, these characteristics about humility and forgiveness and acceptance, all of these things, there was something outside. He should have told us. I'm like, he really should have told us what was going on here. It would have, it would have helped. They should have been listed in the Ten Commandments. We get really, and this is, we're in Washington, D.C. We get really spun up about politics, don't we? Like whole churches build their identity on it. I remember a couple years ago, like when we were in the thick of it, somebody sent me a message from a mega church and it was like, you have to vote, you're not a Christian unless you vote for this candidate. And that same week, somebody sent me another message. It's for the other candidate. You're not a Christian unless you vote for this candidate. So we get really spun up about it. But here's the thing. Who you vote for in elevating politics to your identity in Christ, like that's my identity, it's going to be here today and gone tomorrow. It will not last. Only the covenant, only these values, these are here today and they'll be here tomorrow and forever and ever and ever. Now, how about the mask? We can talk about all of these things. They're very important. I'm not saying they're not important. They're very important. But the number one reason that Christians changed churches after COVID was the church's policy on the mask. I am not saying it's not important. It is extremely important that we talk about it, okay? However, my whole identity is wrapped up in a mask, pants, mask, hymnals, overhead projectors. I don't see that anywhere in the Sermon on the Mount. If you start with the values of humility and forgiveness and all of these things, you're going to be going down a much better road. Jesus says, this is the divine direction you should go down. How about women preaching? Like, what? Is that a thing? I had a guy um, uh, email me this past summer. The Southern Baptist Convention, largest denomination, Protestant denomination in America, threw Rick Warren out of the Southern Baptist Convention. It made national news. He wrote the best-selling Christian book. He sold like, I don't know, 40 million copies of the thing. They threw him out because on his website, he has a woman listed with the title pastor. I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about it. I'm not saying, but what we should do is we should start with the principles of the Sermon on the Mount and then go from there. But it seems like to me, we have a tendency to start with the issues and then maybe if we get back to the principles that are tried and true of the covenant, ah, that's okay, but we really got to deal with the issue. What I'm telling you is 30, 40, 50 years from now, these things aren't going to be a big deal. They're going to come and go and they're going to pass. They're going to pass, right? The things that we think we're so hip and cool about, our great-grandparents are going to look back and they're going to cringe because if it was about this, if it was about this, Jesus should have told us. How about the chosen? This thing that's so popular, right? This thing about Jesus and the chosen and the disciples. So apparently Jesus from the chosen appeared on the view. Okay, and, and people are very, I don't know anything about it. Look, okay, I don't know anything about Star Wars. I don't know about The View, okay? I don't know anything about that. But I know that some people are really ticked off at Jesus. Okay? 
because your identity should be wrapped up in who you reject. Now, that's not Jesus because Jesus, remember, he eats with sinners. He eats with sinners. He welcomes sinners. He's with the people. He, he says, go find the meek. Go find the people that are the outcast and hang out with them, okay? So this is totally unbiblical, but somehow it feels really biblical. And so what Jesus is saying, here's how you can avoid being a watered down Christian. This is the hill you die on. And it all starts with humility. And then it just works itself from there. There's a very famous pastor. His name is Alistair Begg. He's older. He looks like he's probably in his 70s at some point, And he's been famous for a very long time. Uh, he's on Christian radio all over the country. And so recently he shared on the radio, he shared that a grandmother in his church came to him and said, uh, Pastor, my grandson is getting married and I don't know what to do. He's marrying a transgender person. And uh, Pastor Alistair Begg said, well, do you love your grandson? And she said, yes, I do. Does he know where you stand? Like, he says, oh yeah, he does. Then you should attend that wedding and you should take him a gift and you should tell him I love you very much. You know what happens when you try to hold two sides together? You know what we do to you? I said it a minute ago, we kill you. Pastor Alizabeth famous pastor is being crucified right now, thrown off Christian radio stations. Everybody, please don't misunderstand me. These issues about politics and masks and women preachers and all this, yes, please, let's discuss them. After we first get our feet firmly rooted in the things that Jesus Christ said are most important, because those things will not lose, because all of these other issues, they're going to come and go. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be something. This stuff right here that Jesus leads off with is a cannot lose. You will not lose. Here's what Frederick Douglass says. He says, knowledge makes a man unfit to be a slave. Why do I bring that up? Knowledge makes a man unfit to be a slave because look what God says in Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Why? Why? Because you have rejected knowledge. Jesus lays it out for us clearly. Okay? Let's talk about masks. Let's talk about pants. Let's talk about women preaching. Let's talk about trans and LGBT. Let's talk about that. But that's not the most important thing. It will come and it will go. You don't die on that hill. You do not die. You die on the hill called humility. You die on the hill called forgiveness. You die on the hill called acceptance and meekness. That's the hill that you die on because that is Jesus, according to his words, it will never lose its power. It's where my, it's where my word is based. It's based in those things. And if you make that first and foremost and you keep marching up that hill, that is how you avoid being a watered down Christian because that's really what a follower of Jesus Christ looks like. Okay, so today, everybody, we are going to celebrate communion. I'm going to ask the team to come out. Communion, I know we're going to give you this t- tiny little thing that looks like a chiclet or something. It's a little piece of bread. I'm very sorry. We're planning a Good Friday event that we're, we're hoping to maybe do a full-blown communion meal. Okay, I'm sorry. This is what we're going to do today. But it does represent a meal. And Jesus welcomes everybody, read, read the biographies of his life, he welcomes everybody to come and have a meal with me. It seems like at the very first Lord's Supper that somebody who was a devil named Judas was sitting right there. And Peter, the leader of the disciples, who denied by cussing and cursing that he even knows Jesus Christ, was right there and he was in the meal. So, okay, seems like everybody is welcome to the meal. 
Everybody's welcome to be a partner with Jesus Christ. Look, do you hate suffering? Like, don't you, don't all of us in this room, when we all say, you know what, I wish we could end, I wish we could end suffering. Suffering is a bad thing. If all of us followed these beatitudes, these blessed attitudes, these principles and values of Christ, the vast majority of suffering would disappear. It would vanish overnight. Overnight. Because it's tried and it's true and it will never, ever, ever lose its power. So, um, if you have... Before I take this, I just want to say, please, I implore you (laughs) uh, for yourself and for our entire planet. Please follow the principles of Jesus Christ that he made famous and the Bible introduced to us because that is the way to have a healthy world. We know it. History confirms it. Science confirms it. Would you please consider being a follower of Jesus Christ and his teachings today? Would you very seriously consider becoming a follower of Jesus Christ today. And if you want somebody to pray with you, our prayer team is going to be right over here. It'd be the greatest move that you could ever make to follow the principles that he introduces to us in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, so much that you invite us to a partnership with you called a covenant, celebrated in a meal in which everybody is welcome to your table and nobody is excluded. Thank you for your kindness, your mercy, and your grace that's embodied in something that we're about to do right here. Lord, bless the eating of this bread, the drinking of this cup, and help every single one of us in this room to follow after your ways. In Christ's name, amen. Everybody, let's eat and drink together. music team is going to end with a wonderful song actually about how Jesus rises again the values of the Sermon on the Mount might have setbacks but they will always 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 rise again just like Jesus let's stand and sing that together everybody